Hello and welcome to the Friday, October 2nd, 2020, Will You Shut Up Man edition of On Iowa Politics. <laughs> this week, this week, what a debate and alternative campaigning. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Tom Barton of the Quad City Times. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Amy Rivers of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, James. Good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Aaron Murphy, Lee Newspaper State House Bureau Chief. Good morning, Aaron. Hey, would you just shut up, man? <laughs> Somebody <No>. had to say it. <laughs> Such a clown. What a clown. Yeah. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. Even before the first presidential debate of 2020, we were saying, oh, what a debate. After watching the United States Senate candidates Joni Ernst and Theresa Greenfield on Iowa PBS, little did we know that despite talking over each other and the moderators, they would seem well-behaved. <laughs> In the presidential debate, clearly Trump's behavior was more egregious, but Biden got sucked into trash talking too. If you're going to call the president a clown and tell him to shut up, I don't think you can turn around and complain that... The debate isn't presidential, whatever that is. Aaron, um, we've heard that the Commission on Presidential Debates is going to change the rules. Um, the future debates will be moderated by uh, Conor McGregor in the octagon. <laughs> that might be what it takes. Aaron, one word to describe the presidential debate. Uh, chaotic. Um, chaotic? Yeah, or a mess. Uh, those are the two that uh, come to my mind. It was, uh, I'd never seen anything like it. I don't think anybody has. Uh, and the tone was set from the start. So that was that was painful. There's another one. It was certainly painful to watch. <laughs> um, I can think of a lot of two-word phrases to describe the, the debate, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll maintain our standards here. So... <laughs> One of them begun, begins with cluster. Um, <laughs> I guess the other I, one ends with show. Yeah. 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 yeah there was a cluster show. Tom, what's your takeaway from this debate? For Trump supporters, he clearly won by dominating the 90 minutes with his interruptions and rude remarks. Did Biden help himself? Uh, sorry, I was trying to see if there had been a GoFundMe set up for Chris Wallace's bar tab. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know that, yeah, Trump didn't help himself. Biden didn't hurt himself, I think, is kind of the general overall takeaway from the debate. I mean, really, each candidate strengthened the other's base and really didn't do much to, to sway undecided voters. You know, Biden supporters have more fuel to get Trump out of office. And Trump supporters saw the old Joe Biden that doesn't really grab their attention. Um, you know, Biden didn't offer much substance. A CBS News poll found that few voters who watched, uh, you know, found the debate informative. I think just 17 percent said that it was. And, 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 you know, most came away feeling annoyed, you know, though, to be fair with the, the president's constant interruptions, there wasn't much of an opportunity for Biden to kind of get a word in edgewise and provide a, a substantive response, which honestly probably played to Biden's favor, allowing him to avoid the gaffes and stammering that uh, that, that can plague him. Um, as for whether Biden was presidential in the chaotic, often incoherent spectacle, uh, I mean, the, the shut up line certainly became a hit with his supporters and quickly became a viral meme and, and is showing up on apparel. 
Um, you know, that said, I think, you know, you may probably find undecided voters and moderate Republicans back in Biden who probably didn't appreciate the line and, and you know, didn't see it as, as dignified and may have cringed a bit when, when Biden called the president a, a clown. But I mean, with with the president constantly interrupting and also trading insults, it was, you know, hardly a low blow or, I don't know, egregious. Um, but in the end, it doesn't matter. You know, it gets overlooked by the president's refusal to clearly denounce white supremacists. And as the New York Times pointed out, with, you know, about a month left in the campaign, um, you know, Republicans feared that uh, Trump's conduct would inevitably make the election a referendum on him and potentially, you know, inflict carnage on other GOP candidates with voting groups that are already deeply distrustful of the party, women, moderates, suburban voters and, and, and people of color. You know, so so in that regard, you know, uh, you know, Trump probably, uh, you know, maybe it hurt the campaign and, and, and Republican candidates with uh, with those voting groups. Um, yeah, it seemed like it, if you, know. you weren't already predisposed to vote for President Trump, there wasn't anything there to say, ah, I like this guy. You know, I mean, right. I mean it, yeah. Uh, no, you're you're absolutely right. You know, rather than or excuse me, rather than trumpet GOP accomplishments on taxes, judges, and foreign policy in a way that would make the party um, uh, uh, more palatable to, to to voters in in the political center, uh, he ended up alienating them. Yeah, and, and I mean, a number of people have talked about that he should have been talking about the future. Uh, you yes, know, those, those accomplishments and talking about what he would do in a second term rather than just being uh, rude and um, uh, whatever. Um, do you think uh, Joe Biden should have been wearing an earpiece? <laughs> I, I saw somebody explaining that he was wearing some sort of contact lenses that uh, um, I, I'm not sure how that helped him, but apparently he was able to read those wonderful lines like... Uh, he- Shut up. <laughs> he probably wishes he had worn earplugs. Right. <laughs> ah, yep. Amy, um, uh, welcome back. Uh, we Thank missed you, you especially uh, th- those technical difficulties when you can't hear me and I can't hear you. Uh, <laughs> those are wonderful. Thanks to our producer, Stephen. Uh, the listeners don't hear those things. And, I mean, <laughs> It's all behind the scenes. Uh, I'm pulling back the curtain, I guess. But continuing this theme, um, it doesn't seem that we learned anything new about Trump in this debate. Trump, as we've come to know him, love him or hate him, was on full display. Did we learn anything about Biden? Uh, um, I mean, it seems he made it clear he's not on the same page as Bernie Sanders and AOC on Medicare for All, the Green New Deal. And he kind of whiffed on the question of packing the court. By distancing himself from the the squad, did he um, turn them off more than he picked up maybe uh, tentative Republicans who weren't sure they wanted to vote for Trump? Very, very possible. And that's his strategy, obviously. Um, You know, he's gone through this the entire time being the moderate, being the center, um, if not of the party, then trying to be of the country, trying to bring those people into the fold, whether it works or whether it does turn off those progressives remains to be seen. But I think you are really seeing um, a a progressive-led movement from the left trying to get people back to the center. Um, I've seen a whole bunch of, you know, Twitter accounts that are progressives that are are expounding on, you know, we're going to start with Biden and then we're going to push to the left, you know, saying that obviously this is a step up for them 
um, over Trump. So, I mean, I think he's riding that. He's really trying to, you know, toe the line. And he's specifically said when they asked him about packing the court, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to answer that at all because it's going to give ammunition to the Trump campaign. And it is exactly what the Trump campaign wants. They want to be able to say, well, if Biden gets in, he's going to put 17 Democrats on the court and then we're going to have Roe v. Wade forever. You know, so I think they really want Biden to say that. And that's why Biden's shying away from it. And I think that he's right to shy away from it. I think at this point in the campaign, um, Tom's right. Trump is is kind of just just sort of stepping on himself. And if Biden can just get out of his way and and not really push anything super hard, he probably does you know accomplish what he set out to accomplish. Aaron, isn't this one of the Republican talking points though that uh, the progressives are saying we'll start with Joe Biden and and go from there that. Um, Joe Biden might not be such a bad guy, but he he'll pave the way for the squad for Bernie Sanders right. and the AOC wing of the Democratic Party uh, to enact all the the legislation they want. So it's I, I suppose a variation of the slippery slope argument. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that the li- the liberal slippery slope. Um, yeah. it was interesting, and and to Amy's point, that it was pretty clear, and and then you could see it out on Twitter too among conservatives that that was the goal and the message they're pushing that um, uh, they wanted to push these issues like the Green New Deal and and Medicare for all, like you said, and and make Joe Biden either embrace those policies and they'd hit him for that um, or make Joe Biden say, no, I don't embrace those policies and then suggest that, oh, well, you're going to lose the left because of that. uh, they were forced to go with B because of Biden's comments. I thought um, it, one in particular when Joe Biden said, "I am the Democratic Party." That one was a that was a pretty uh, strong uh, response to to some of those accusations. Um, so 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 they're left with Plan B there, which is to say, "Oh, you're going to lose the left." Um, look, the the election in uh, almost exactly a month is going to tell us for sure, but I don't see that happening. Um, the, the people I know um, uh, who have come through Iowa um, and who still talk to or, or follow on Twitter, um, they're not leaving the party because Joe Biden's the nominee. Um, they're in this uh, for the Democratic Party. They're, they're not going to sit it out. Uh, they're certainly not going to vote, vote for Donald Trump in any great numbers. Uh, Joe Biden um, has done a pretty good, well, <laughs> I was going to say Joe Biden has done a pretty good job of unifying the Democratic Party. I think Donald Trump has, has helped unify the Democratic <laughs> Party. Right. Well. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I don't see that strategy working. Like I said, the, November 3rd will tell us for sure, but 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 I don't see that being effective. It, it's interesting to me, uh, you know, Trump has made pretty clear that he's the Republican Party and at their convention, they didn't adopt a, a new platform. They just said, we're going to stick with Trump and and uh, basically whatever he wants. Um, and, and then Joe Biden comes out and says, I am the Democratic Party. That seems like sort of a um, change from what we've heard in the past where uh, the party, uh, you know, the candidate hasn't assumed 
that role. And now we have both candidates saying, I am the Republican Party or I am the Democratic Party. Um, and it may, maybe it's a more accurate uh, <laughs> statement than, uh, you know, just saying, well, the party platform says whatever. <laughs> Because nobody nobody pays any attention to the party platform. I think we're in an era where it's personality driven. Everything is personality driven. Every individual has a brand, and I think that politics is just following suit. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe I, I think to, to to a large extent, I think I think the the, the president has probably um, pushed that. I mean, you know, as we mm-hmm. saw from his uh, from his tax returns, you know, uh, he's uh, uh, got the great ability of being able to brand and market himself and, you know, putting himself up, you know, as the, the Republican party. And I, I think uh, Biden is trying to respond to that to some extent. If in the next debate, Biden says, I am the only one who can fix this. Me. Only <laughs> me. Yeah, then we'll know. <laughs> yeah. How far we've fallen. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, I just wanted to say that I see now that uh, the next debate, there will be uh, commercial interruptions. However, Allstate will be the sole sponsor. Uh, they'll have ads featuring the Mayhem Man. Uh, Pedro Serrano. Yeah. Awesome. Mayhem, like me. <laughs> oh, Mayhem. Not, okay, the other one. I like him better. Uh, And there was that other debate this week, uh, the night before the presidential debate. uh, U.S. Senator Joni Ernst and Democratic challenger Teresa Greenfield seemed to do their best to go all Trump talking over each other and the panelists. I thought David Yepsen might have to do the dad thing and go over and sit between the candidates. (laughs) Sort of a, don't make me stop the car. (laughs) Let's uh, talk about that a little bit. Aaron, um, what was the highlight uh, of that debate or what did we learn? What would what should we expect when they debate again, which I guess is this weekend? Yeah, yeah. Saturday uh, night, we'll see them in uh, uh, round two um, on um, WHO here in Des Moines and then a few other stations around the state um, are picking it up as well. Um Kind of for, for the reason you said, uh, James, it wasn't um, – I don't know that we learned a whole lot uh, kind of similar to the presidential debate. Uh, um, if you went into the race already in one camp or the other, nothing changed. And if you were on the fence, <clears throat> I don't know if you learned anything uh, new. If, if nothing else, uh, the contrasts. Were drawn out. I mean, the, um, I think Kay Henderson of Radio Iowa uh, reported that they disagreed on on literally every topic they discussed. Um, so, at the very least, you got that much. Uh, so you get you have two decidedly different candidates and two different columns uh, to pick from. Um, but outside of that, uh, you know, um, you know, they they kind of they stayed in their lanes. Um, and, and again, as you said, uh, they kind of turned out to be the warm up act to the presidential <laughs> debate, uh, in the way it was conducted, but, but, uh, uh, it was, it was kind of unruly in their own right. And a lot of talking over each other. And, and, uh, again, if, if, uh, there's a GoFundMe for Chris Wallace's bar tab, we need to start one for David. Yes. <laughs> 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 Because that that was uh, miserable in its own right at times. So um, 
it, it, it'll be to if anything, it, it makes this second one interesting to me and how the candidates will attack it and for frankly how the moderators choose to debate it or choose to um, operate it if that happens again. I, I gotta believe the camp, both camps came out of that debate kind of thinking to themselves, I don't know what we really accomplished, especially uh, during those moments of yelling each other, over each other. So, so it'll be interesting to me how they conduct themselves on, uh, during Saturday's debate. Yeah, I've heard from Democrats who said that um, that Greenfield was successful just because she kept talking over Ernst and, and didn't let Ernst interrupt her. And so that seemed to be a strategy. I know the, the Ernst campaign uh, wanted to emphasize Greenfield's dark money and, and, you know, to push back on her claim that she's not taking any corporate PAC money. Um, and so I, I suppose in some ways they probably both feel successful. But, yeah, I, I agree, Aaron, that they might be asking themselves, hmm, it, did, did we did we win any voters over with this performance? Right. I mean, um, unless they think this is, sorry, I'll just add, unless yeah. they think this is purely a base election and they don't need to do that. If they don't think they need to convince anybody, if they think they just need to, to, to rile up their folks, then maybe they'll go out and do that again because they don't feel the need to sway anybody who's in the quote-unquote middle on this race. Right. Tom, I, I was going to just ask you basically the same question about what – what did we learn from this debate? Did anything? Yeah, I mean, I, I largely agree with, with, with Aaron. Um, I guess, you know, the only other thing that, that, that I would add is, is to me it seemed like Ernst came off as, as, as more polished and had a better grasp on the issues while Teresa Greenfield fumbled some of her responses with Ernst interjecting to, to clarify a question Greenfield was, was struggling with, drawing a, a side-eye and a sarcastic thank you from, from Greenfield. Um, but, you know, both often ignore the questions to make prepared statements and, you know, spent time attempting to, to talk over one another. Yeah. If you've seen their campaign commercials, you really didn't hear anything new. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Amy, I don't know. Um, thoughts on the on this first uh, Senate debate? Yeah, I have nothing to add. <laughs> leave this part out. Okay. <laughs> Tom and Aaron handled it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move along then to the alternative campaign. Uh, this is this being 2020. It's a strange campaign. Uh, in the early days of the presidential campaign ahead of the First Nation caucuses, we talk about the invisible primary, the race for cash, as well as competition to land key staffers, supporters, and endorsements. Uh, now in the COVID era, candidates have to find non-traditional ways to campaign. Uh, the virtual campaign events have pretty much replaced the old meet and greets and town hall style uh, events we've grown accustomed to. Um, we're seeing virtual forums of all sorts, um, including, I guess the Biden campaign has been doing a virtual bus tour. Um, and Tom, uh, you were supposed to be covering a Trump bus tour. Uh, a live in-person bus tour today uh, while we're right now, while we're uh, recording, but you're here with us. What happened? Uh, yeah, well, we're, we're, um, we're happy to have you. Tom. Don't get me wrong. Right. We're happy to have you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, don't really know to be, to be honest with you, uh, the campaign, you know, wouldn't say on the record why, um, why the stop was canceled. Um, so this would have been, um, the, uh, second, um, Trump 
campaign bust up in Davenport in a little less than a month. Um, uh, would have uh, featured again uh, former Iowa Hawkeye football player and uh, former uh, acting U.S. Attorney General uh, Matt Whitaker. Um, uh, he had he had stopped at the Scott County Republicans headquarters in Davenport uh, earlier um, to um, you know rally supporters and and, and volunteers. Um, and uh, he was supposed to be this this leg of the, the the trip this time around. He was supposed to be accompanied by um, South Dakota Governor uh, Christy Noem um, and um, Trump campaign uh, director of um, strategic communications uh, Mark Lauder. Um, yeah, why why it got canceled? Campaign really isn't saying. Um, you know, you can speculate. You know whether they didn't want to have to answer questions about the president and the first lady testing positive for the coronavirus or, you know, didn't want to have to answer questions about, um, you know, whether, um, whether anyone who was supposed to be on the, 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 the bus tour, you know, were, were at rallies or, you know, in close proximity to, to the president or staff or having to be quarantined. But yeah, we really just don't know. The, the news uh, overnight uh, that the president and first lady have tested positive for coronavirus um, certainly is another one of the twenty one of those twenty twenty things. Um, you know, what, yeah, what else could happen? Um, Amy, thoughts on what does this do to the campaign? Uh, here we are, like you know, a month uh, ahead of election day, and and just a couple mm-hmm. days until Iowans start voting. Um, what does this mean? I don't know if it means anything for voters unless Trump takes a turn for the worst and you're worried about if you're going to vote for Pence instead. But I don't I don't really think otherwise it, it really means a lot. I think, you know, it's really, really big news right now. Worldwide news, obviously, you're you're seeing all the countries talking about this and, and reacting to this. Um, but I think if he has a mild case and comes back to the you know campaign quickly, you probably aren't going to notice a lot. Maybe it cancels a debate. Maybe it cancels the rest of the debates. Um, but as, as far as swaying voters, I, I can't really imagine. I think mostly it's just going to be supporters wishing him well, wishing him a speedy recovery. Um, people that aren't supporters um, sort of gloating over, you know, uh, what they would say is his, um, I guess, downplaying of the virus. So I, I don't really think I think mostly people are going to be in their camps. Yeah. I mean, as we talked about with the Senate debated it's sort of a, a base election, and if that's the case, probably not going to change too many votes. Uh, Tom, uh, Aaron, thoughts on how this does it shake up the race? Um, I'll I'll just say real quick. The only way I think it might is, uh, you know, depending on if he does the full two weeks of quarantine, um, and and this is all assuming that it's a mild case and he recovers quickly, and it's no big deal. It doesn't impact his ability to uh, serve as president or campaign uh, once is healthy enough to again. Um, but, but if they do do the full two weeks quarantine, that's two weeks off the campaign trail. A lot of what Trump does in his style is getting out and going to these huge rallies um, where, you know, it, it's not so much a big deal in that he, he's moving voters at those things. But it is a, a big deal as far as the grassroots operation and the data and voter information that the campaign and the Republican party is able to obtain at events like those. Um, so maybe and the enthusiasm. Yeah. 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 So maybe 
if he's not able to do those for a couple weeks, it hurts him a little bit, not being able to go out and, and do those things. And, and, and maybe even when he does, maybe people are less likely to come out to them now that uh, uh, for a lot of people who have been able to follow the president's lead and, and, and maybe not take this as seriously as they should, maybe they will now and you'll, you won't see as much attendance. Um, that, that's the only way I can see it having um, a, a, any kind of impact. And even, even then, I honestly don't know. That's just my best guess of some way that it could. Um, again, assuming that the, this is uh, the president is fortunate and it's just a mild case work through. If it gets more serious, that opens up many, many more questions. Yeah, I'm modifying mine because enthusiasm is huge. If his vote, Aaron's absolutely right. If he's two weeks off the trail or longer and and the voters aren't as enthused, like they're, they're getting jazzed up at the rallies, maybe that affects if they go vote. Especially in those swing states where it matters. I mean, it doesn't matter to Iowa yep. um, necessarily, but because he hasn't been coming here anyways, but maybe... Maybe in Wisconsin or Michigan or Pennsylvania or Minnesota. Yeah. But in, in sure. states like Iowa, do you think it has more down ballot effect than on the presidential race? I mean, does this hurt uh, Joni uh, Ernst? Does it hurt Republicans in Senate races uh, around the country if he's not out there, you know, whipping up the base? Yeah, that Maybe. that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, he wasn't coming here personally, anyways. Right. So it's so it's more. Does him not showing up on, you know, their TVs at night on Fox News uh, in those rallies, um, mm-hmm. does that hurt with Iowans? Ah, that's a good question. I don't know. I think it maybe hurts him a little bit here. I don't know if that has a down ballot trickle effect to, to obviously, the Senate race is a big one. Does that hurt Joni Ernst that he's not out there? Uh, look, you could make the argument that it, it helps Joni Ernst because – Exactly. He's, he's not out there and, and saying things that get him in hot water over and over, then, then maybe in some ways that, that helps Joni Ernst. That yeah. Ernst has to defend. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I was, I was going to, I was going to say the, the, the same thing. And, and then you also got Terry Branstad coming back, um, you know, to, to help out with, with Joni Ernst and, and um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that, uh, yeah, Trump off the campaign trail, not having been in Iowa is really going to have much of an impact on that Senate race. And you have to remember that in 2016, you know, he was on uh, TV and radio continuously. So if he's uh, isolated in the White House for two weeks, I don't think he's necessarily off the campaign trail. I mean, he, he's not going to go away. I mean, he's <laughs> going to be call, calling in to uh, yep. Fox and <laughs> wherever Morning Joe or whoever whoever will take his call, you know. Yeah. And and I wouldn't be surprised if he's doing some sort of uh, you know televised, uh, you know, where he's doing virtual rallies uh, from the White House or wherever. Uh, I don't know if he can do it from the White House, but um, it wouldn't stop him, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think he's going to go away for two weeks. Um, you know, if anything, maybe this uh, gives him more time to uh, sort of get his message out. Um, and he'll still be tweeting. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and I got a question for you. Does this, with his base, um, drum up sympathy, which which would then um, maybe drum up sympathy votes? Or does it uh, sort of downplay his image as a strong leader? Uh, well, assuming he comes through this in two weeks, 
you know, healthy, it probably doesn't downplay his image as a strong leader. It might even enhance it that he came through this. He's strong. He's, you know, um, but, and I don't know that Trump is the sort of person who's going to get any sympathy votes, uh, you know, short of Melania dying or something like that. I, I, I mean, God forbid, but I mean, I just, I don't think he's going to get any sympathy votes. I mean, it's just, he's not that sort of a that attracts sympathy votes. If he's getting sympathy votes, it's from people who were voting for him already anyways. There's nobody who's yeah wasn't going to vote for him or or even was on the fence who were going to see this happen and, and yeah. have that be a motivating factor in the vote. And, and you know, I, I guess the other part of this is he spent 90 minutes on the stage with uh, Joe Biden you know, middle mm-hmm. of the week. Uh, I'm assuming Joe Biden is being tested and retested uh, to make sure that he didn't uh, pick up any anything other than verbal abuse um, from the president. Uh, <laughs> you know, so uh, you know, I, I I told Aaron this earlier, but uh, you know, my conspiracy theory is uh, Trump read the polls and said, "There's no way I'm going to win this," so <laughs> I'm resigning for health reasons. Yeah. Mike, Mike, it's all you. <laughs> Good luck turning the ship around, Mike. Oh, yeah. Lord. All right. Well, that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics, and I hope it was worth your time. If you liked it, tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you find your podcast. Fan mail may be sent to podcasts at thegazette.com. You can find us on the homepages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Porch Builder will take us out. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Amy, Aaron, Tom, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening and stay well. Stay at home. I'd have been alright. I got you drunk.